You're listening to the Public Affairs Show on WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. I am Carly Redondo, former chief meteorologist of WWL-TV and now a certified orientation and mobility specialist, and I am visually impaired. I have retinitis pigmentosis. Today, my guest is somebody I know quite well and many of you know quite well also. It is the Angela Hill is joining us now. We're going to catch up with Angela, what she's doing, how she is. Everybody loves Angela and, you know, the one name phenomenon. Uh, you, you know her by just Angela. Angela, thank you for joining us. I am thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to sit next to the greatest meteorologist who ever walked into Channel 4. Well, I don't know about that. I know there's some other good ones, too. There were some very, and there are some very good ones, but Carl, you're it. Okay, well, Angela, like myself, you're not from here originally, but you moved here and this became home. Yes. Tell us how long you've been in the New Orleans area. I moved here in 1975 uh, and never looked back. Uh, And people often say, oh, you stayed. Yes, I stayed because... Moving here was coming to Channel 4, of course, and professionally, uh, I had envisioned myself at the White House, you know, and doing network things. And the bottom line is Channel 4 afforded me all of the opportunities that I would have ever had uh, with network, plus I could grow roots here. And And that's the simple answer. I agree. I was planning to move here. I came from the Weather Channel in Atlanta. And uh, I was going to just live here two years and then head back to my home state of Texas. I wanted to work. Houston and Dallas were my dream places to work. But like you mentioned, I fell in love with the station, my coworkers, the people, and, of course, the food and music. Right. And you love the heat. I do love the heat. (laughs) Heat and humidity. Atlanta was too cold, so I moved here (laughs) for the summers, and I love the summers here. So from what I understand, you know, the colder weather we've been having has just been... A little too much for me already. Okay, and your name actually came up. Uh, I was listening one day to Channel 4, and they were saying, somebody who used to always love the heat. I knew who they were talking about. Yeah, I think they warned me that they were going to call me out at some point because (laughs) I reply to their tweets or their Facebook posts with angry memes about, you know, the the cold air that's coming in. Right. So you started off in broadcasting in Texas. I did. Corpus Christi is where I... Moved when I was eight years old, so I always say I grew up there. Not originally from there, but uh, went to University of Texas and then came back. And luckily, again, this was 1972, uh, not many women in broadcasting, so it was tough trying to get the first job. And I I got very lucky, worked for a great station in Corpus uh, under a terrific news director who was um, really open to, you know, again, we have to, we forget that those days existed but felt very lucky, worked there a couple of years, and then went down to the lower Rio Grande Valley, where I was only there six months when uh, Mr. Early, who was the general manager of Channel 4, uh, somebody had said, go check her out. And that's uh, how I got to New Orleans. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Similar. I was in Corpus and the Rio Grande Valley. Yes. So we traveled the same route, I guess. And, <laughs> we sure did. And stayed here in New Orleans. Now, talk about legends. Talk about the people that you and I, lucky enough, at the end, you know, got to work with as well. Oh, uh, my gosh. Nash I mean, Roberts. Nash Hap. Roberts. I mean, what a prince. Hap. I'll, I'll tell you something real quick. Um, when I moved from Corpus here for this job, 
I was dating a man in Corpus Christi, very nice, who had an uncle who lived in New Orleans. So he drove me up with my 60-pound basset hound and my luggage, and um, he said, are you going to go to work for the station where the sports guy throws the pieces of paper? I, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, then... I watched our, our news, and Hap never had a script. He wrote notes on little pieces of paper. And when he finished with one, you know, baseball scores, he'd throw it. And then, or football scores or the racetrack, which, of course, he was very famous for. And he was throwing little pieces of paper. <laughs> I mean, what a guy. Oh, I know. And, and then you talk about, you know, Nash Roberts, Jim Henderson. Bill Elder. Bill Garland Elder. Robinette. I mean, yeah. these people, they are leg legends. They truly are. I mean, I, I cannot believe Bill Elder has been gone as long as he's been. But uh, he was the consummate newsman. He was. And Bill, uh, I, I was totally nervous. One of my first shows working with him on the noon show, you know, I was a young kid, you know, and yeah. Bill Elder had the reputation of a very... Tough. Tough and great news person. So I was a little nervous sitting down on the news desk with him, but he welcomed me. He was very generous and he even complimented me. So that relaxed me so much because, you know, you get something like that from Bill Elder. Absolutely. Then, you, you know, you know, he's not just saying that because he doesn't have to say that. No, he doesn't. He he really was had very high standards. And uh, and I heard him on several occasions, not on the air, of course, but who people he was working with, they weren't meeting those standards, and he didn't hesitate to bring it up. <laughs> yes, I remember some of those stories as well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I must admit, you know, when our last few years together, you, me, Dennis, and Jim, yes. how much laughter did we have oh, in Lord. the studio in commercial breaks? And Oh, I mean, <laughs> that that was a show unto itself. <laughs> Are in, in the commercial breaks, what went on? Oh, if yeah. our mics were on, I mean... Oh, we'd be finished. Yes, but... <laughs> and that leads me to Mardi Gras. When we got together, I think the thing that I love the most, because we know Angela made the decisions for our Mardi Gras costumes. Well, no, I made suggestions. No, well, well but we didn't want to <laughs> say no to Angela. But, you know, the, the thing that I love, because at the time, we didn't see the themes. We didn't see the organization... Because a lot of other stations, you know, the anchors had all different types of costumes, whatever they wanted to wear. But what I liked is that you and we put thought into our costumes. Yes. Talk about some of the thought processes. And well, the... I, I think, you know, having Jim, who has to be one of the funniest people who ever walked the face of the earth uh, and always open to anything, and certainly you. I loved when we would do the sports themes that were in reverse um, you were the cheerleaders, I was the player, that kind of thing. Because what did we discover, Carl? That you, Dennis, and Jim loved to wear bras. <laughs> it was so simple. After I caught on to that, of course, and and it was hilarious. It was, and I think that started the 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 reality that people see us as news people, but yet there's a fun side to all of us, and once a year— we, we got be, to be fun and enjoy ourselves yes. and be like everybody else. And like everybody else. You know, uh, it was interesting. Before you got to the station, uh, I did not know this, that b before 1976, I guess it was, because I came after Mardi Gras in 75, they had not been doing—they had announcers doing that show. And then they came up with the concept of, okay, let's—Angela and Garland, you'll be at Gallier Hall. We'll put so-and-so, so-and-so on— they, 
thought of it as a program. And putting on costumes initially was kind of controversial because you don't want to lose credibility. If you're a news person, that's all you've got. So it worked. We didn't lose credibility. I think people saw us as human and, uh, and we could be ourselves. And that was a nice contrast. Uh, but it, at the time, kind of a little risky. Yeah, because you're right. Credibility is is everything. Everything. And, That's right. And you know, to be a, a meteorologist, you want to be very credible, Believed. as well as an a, a anchor and a news person and a reporter. So yeah, it was fun. And you're right, risky. But <laughs> the response that we got every yes. year to our costumes and what were we going to do next year? You know, so we. Well, let me tell you, uh, even after I left in 2013, that was my last Mardi Gras, you all carried on because I would be across the street at WWL Radio Broadcasting, and I would look at your themes, and oh my gosh, fantastic. So it wasn't me. It was the creative force of, of everybody being open to it. Well, you set the table for it because we knew we had to top ourselves every year after the year before, and... And it was a fun because we saw the reaction from, you know, the mayors or the uh, archbishop or, right. you know, public officials. And we see their faces and they're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, people on the floats, people on the floats passing by as well. Right. You know, it's a day to have fun. It's that simple. It, right. It's it a is. job, but it's let's have fun with it. It is. Now, let's talk about the other big deal that you were involved in, the Angela show. Oh, that wow. was huge because I was talking to my dad this past week and told him I was going to talk to you on the radio show. And he remembers going when they first came to town, when I first arrived, going to the Angela show at the Dome and watching a taping. I mean, this was, you know, our our Oprah. People watch well, Oprah. This is Angela was our Oprah. Well, thank you very much. Um, even in the same breath to say my name with hers. Uh, and let me just backtrack a second. When, when we came up with the idea of let's do this show, um, we uh, went to Oprah's show. You talk about a generous person. Allowed the director, the producer, and myself to go. Watch the process. How do you get an audience in? How do you get the audience out? It may seem simple. It's not. How do you promote the idea of, hey, we're going to do this show. Won't you join us? How do you do tickets? How do you, every, Everything was free, of course, but we learned a lot f from her, which I thought, thank you. Thank you. And, and I just have tremendous admiration for her. Uh, it was a great thrill. We did 1,688 shows. 1,688 shows. And when it ended, uh, my wonderful uh, soon-to-be husband, we were dating. We dated for five years. Uh, he knew that it was an emotional thing for me. And he gave me a trophy. And it said, best of 1,688 shows. I still have it. I mean, it was the only trophy ever won in my life. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, anyway, it was the incredible women. It were six of us who worked that show for seven years. And you talk about a bond. I mean, we went through marriages, babies, divorces. It just, we just worked well together. And it showed because people loved the show. I knew all the six women you're talking about, and they all were very professional, very good, oh. and dedicated to make that the best show that people wanted to watch every yeah. afternoon. Yes, thank awesome. you. Thank you very much. Now, you mentioned your husband. Yep, We Irwin. recently lost Erwin. Yes. Tell us, tell everybody that doesn't know what an incredible life he had. Oh, my God. Um, 
Irwin grew up outside of Chicago in the Depression at 10. He was born in 1919, so at 10, 1929, his family lost everything. He told me the story, not early on, I mean, this is sort of unveiling itself over the years, that his father called his mother and said, run to the bank, get the money out. She ran. There was a crowd. The door was locked. The president, ultimately, of the bank opened the door and said, come back tomorrow, we'll have your money. Never to be seen again. They lost everything. And at 10, he really went to work. Uh, he had got his own paper route. Now, think about this. In Chicago, a paper route. Uh, would get up at the crack of dawn. They lived in, They had to move to an apartment where uh, the, the guy to save money, the owner, wouldn't turn the heat on until early morning. So it was very, very difficult. And yet, he was so motivated, he knew at a young age he wanted to be a doctor. He knew early in high school. So his whole focus was make excellent grades, which he did. There were no scholarships. He could not afford to live away from home, so he went to an engineering school to get his undergraduate degree. He got a chemical engineering degree, got into the University of Illinois Medical School, always working. Now think about working through medical school. Got through medical school. In, uh, at the third year medical school, the war breaks out. He had been listening to the radio. Uh, it's so important on Veterans Day to recognize. He said, I knew war was coming. You could hear what was happening in Europe. It was, and he says, it was going to be my war. So bombing of Pearl Harbor, he stands in line. He signs up for the Army. They say, finish medical school. We're going to need doctors. So he did. He called him. I'm finished. Do your internship. He called them after the internship. They take him. He goes to France. He's in a big evacuation hospital, and he um, uh, is trying to do everything you can do. He, his internship was at Cook County Hospital, which is a city unto itself. And he said, I wa wanted to get in that program because I know I was going to see terrible things in the war, and this would prepare me. Because you talk about gunshots and people run over. It's a, he said, in reality, nothing prepares you for war. So he was injured as they dismounted. They followed the troops. So the evacuation hospital moved with the, the soldiers. They were going down a hill. A bunch fell. It was, it was just bad. Many people were hurt. He was injured, couldn't do surgery. They then—now, this is the, the most incredible part of this entire story to me. Somebody in Washington— this is before computers, saw in his records that he had studied with a very famous man who was considered the grandfather of the electro, I can never say it, electroencephal, you know, I'm trying to say, brain scans. Erwin yes. had worked with him. Somebody saw that. He gets a telegram in France saying, you're going to go to El Paso, Texas. You're going to go to the Army Hospital there. You're going to open the brain injury department. We're flying guys in from the European Theater and the Pacific Theater. And that is what he did. He walked into an empty room. He called this doctor, Dr. Gibbs, and said, what do I need? Doctor said, you need X, Y, and Z. They got it, and the plane started arriving. And he did that till the end of the war and stayed one more year. And I said, you stayed an extra year? He said, I would never have left those men. Uh, it, it, that was Irwin Marcus. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Columbia University and did all his training in psychiatry and neurology. 
small practice there, was uh, romanced by Tulane University to start the child psychiatry department. So he was married at that time, had a little baby boy, and they moved to New Orleans, had two daughters, and then realized he needed to expand, gave three kids to support uh, on an educator's. And so he opened private practice, child and adolescent psychiatry, then morphed into uh, adults. And just he started, uh, he brought group therapy to the state of Louisiana. He and another fabulous doctor now gone started the analytic institute here. He just was the most quiet, modest, uh, you know, people since his obituary has run. I never knew that. I said, no, you didn't, because he would, if you didn't, he would never say anything. He wrote books. He was a sculptor. He was a great father, a phenomenal husband, a terrific friend. Angela, you're known for your charity work. We know many different charities benefit from your generosity and your speaking up for them and representing them. You're on the board of WRBH Radio. Yes, I am. You're on the board, and you also help with one of our functions. Oh, I love that function, the the blind taste. It's so imaginative. First of all, I love this station. Um, They're doing wonderful work, and it's appreciated. And I know that because randomly people will say, oh, when I was reading, uh, uh, what a wonderful service. And it is. My mother was blind with macular degeneration. She All she could do was listen. And so I, I understood that connection. Ultimately, Irwin was blind with macular degeneration. It is so pervasive that to have a radio station where the newspapers read or a good book or I used to read the magazine articles is a gift to the community. It really is. So I just applaud. Well, there's many areas, uh, many companies and organizations that do benefit from your your generosity and your speaking up for them. So that's one thing that we know about Angela. She's always there to help support a good cause. Well, thank you very much. But, the, uh, you know, it's you get what you give. And so I've been very lucky. I, I've been with the symphony, the New Orleans Philharmonic, for, God, over 15 years before Katrina, watched its evolution. This is one of the most exciting times happening to this orchestra. It's tough. You know, fine arts, arts are always short-funded. But they have kept consistently such an excellent um, level of of music. And now we have a new director. You ought to have him on. He is phenomenal. We have a new executive director who is going to just br- is still bringing excitement to it. We have Carlos Prieto as our conductor, who the month before Katrina signed a contract. H- hello. Mm-hmm. He could have left. He stayed. He is here. It's just we're lucky to have this level of talent. Awesome. Now, the other question I want to ask you is, what is it that you miss most about TV? Oh, definitely. Exactly what we've talked about, the incredible relationships we made. And you do uh, become like family. So I I miss that terribly. Uh, Occasionally, I'll really miss when I see a big, juicy story. I'll kind of put myself there. (laughs) And, you know, how would I handle it? That kind of thing. But it's in good hands. You're right. And it, it is like a family. I know after Katrina, the stuff that all of us went through working and yes. then having to tell the story, knowing that a lot of us suffered some kind of loss, right. that we became a, a bond that you can't, 
you know, take away from each other. And, you know, we've seen people have kids. You've seen my son grow up. Absolutely. You've seen my son who's 24 now. And you've seen him from a little baby going to the station, you know, watching and spending time with me there. Oh, you are so, you did such a beautiful job with him. And I do, I have some of his school pictures, <laughs> first grade, second grade. I would give you pictures, yes. <laughs> yes. You were one of the people that got pictures from from work. So I, I, I know that we we love the company. And people ask me, do I miss TV? And to miss doing the weather. So, well, I miss the day-to-day stuff with, you know, seeing the anchors and yeah. the reporters and talking in the studio right. or in the newsroom. But I don't miss the last two hurricane seasons. I really don't. No. Last year with four to five hits and then Ida this past year. Yeah. I don't miss that kind of coverage, being on the air nonstop. No, um, it's exhausting. And, and I think hopefully people understand that. I mean, it is. you talk about 12-hour day. How about a 16-hour day? It is tough. And then you're talking constantly and trying to fill time and hopefully getting the information that you need out to the public. Well, it's so important. You are the linchpin. People are really depending on you. And we've seen it change from days before the Internet and social media Mm -hmm. to now news is online. You listen online. You listen to everything. And people living as they evacuated in different states can still hear and see coverage because they can Stream it. Let me tell you, I was in Maine watching on a computer Channel 4's coverage of Ida. Yep. I, it, it, they made it, might as well have been across the street. I was it in was, Florida yes. doing the same yep. thing, watching from Florida, watching the coverage and making sure that, you know, my home was going to still be there. Yeah. And that's uh-huh. what we all do. And fortunately now for s- social media, Internet, streaming, that... You can watch anything from anywhere in the world. Very, very lucky. Okay. As we get towards the end here, I usually ask four questions of people I have on the show. This makes me nervous. No, no, no. Don't be nervous. Okay. (laughs) First question is, what is your favorite movie and why? Oh, so many wonderful movies. My all-time favorite movie, and people will say, that's strange, Angela, but was E.T. I was so moved by that movie, and... I knew I was not alone in being moved by that movie because there was a man in front of me, and I'm not going to stereotype, but let's just say he was a hefty, serious truck driver. And when he started to cry, I completely lost it because E.T. come home, you know, E.T. go home. (laughs) The relationship of that wonderful figure and that little boy to me is so universal. So I love that, but I also got to tell you, I love James Bond, and I just saw the last James oh, okay, Bond with okay. uh, Daniel Craig. He was my favorite James Bond. So, um, but uh, you know, what else can I say? I love all movies. Okay, me too. Um, now let's switch to music. What is your favorite genre of music, band, or artist? Mm, I, I really, truly, I love classical music, obviously with symphony, but today, I my favorite one is Adele. And I'm so glad that she has a new album coming out. I think she is in the caliber of a uh, uh, Barbara Streisand, you know, just a gifted singer. I love that, and I love the music, I mean, the words that she sings. Um, So I would say that. Okay. Now, the next question is, what is your favorite thing to do, your hobby or something you try and do as often as you can? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I love—you wouldn't know it in the last several months, but I really love to walk, and I love to watch people, talk to people. I love gardening. I do a lot of that. Um, 
a lot of gardening. I, in, when I lived in Folsom, I had a huge vegetable garden. I miss that because I love to see things grow. Um, I lo- I, like you said, I love movies. So I love being with people. Okay. And that shows. That, that oh. definitely shows with you. Last question is, what is something that you still want to do that you haven't done yet? You know, that's a great question because I see myself in a new chapter. I'm not sure what's there, but I know I will do something. Um, I've loved the transition from leaving television to doing the, the spokesperson things for, for like Ray Brandt and certainly People's Health and others uh, because I like those people and what they – I would never promote a uh, product that I didn't believe in. So I've gotten – again, it goes back to relationships. Uh, so where do we go from there? Uh, hopefully something. I'm very open to it. And I think uh, I'm not a spring chick, but I got a lot of living to do. Absolutely. <laughs> any any place you still want to go that you haven't visited yet? You know, I've been so lucky. And again, that's thank you, Erwin Marcus. And thank you, uh, Channel 4, because of the work I got to do there. Uh, I'm going around the world, really, doing stories. But um, Erwin and I traveled a lot. We loved it. And I've said out loud... I've probably got one more good long trip in my life. And then it would be, I haven't had an animal since my cats died, and I um, would like to have a dog. But I'm not going to get the dog until I've got the travel thing away. So there is sort of a semi-plan there. Well, good. Well, hopefully we'll find out later on when that happens, and we'll let everybody know what that new places that you may want to go to or that new pet that you have. So that's, you. that's there's an update coming up, a follow-up show. But I, th- I look forward to that. But Carl, I have to applaud you. What You talk about a transition. You are my hero. No, you had a tough thing happen to you and you are just living the life. You are going forward. You are excelling. You are helping. I mean, we lost you as a meteorologist. We've gained you as this phenomenon. Well, thank you, Angela. I appreciate it. I know I'm your biggest fan, and I'm just glad that I can be mentioned in the same breath as you. Oh, so, no. Listen to that. So, Angela, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it very much. You know, you're one of my special people that I have close to my heart. Well, how lucky am I? <laughs> thank <No>. you. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo. Thank you for listening.